Hey, Sales of Nation, it's your host, Tyler Lindley. Today, I have Felix Kruger on the podcast. Hey, Felix, how's it going? I'm well, Tyler. How are you? Doing fantastic. Felix, so excited to have you on. I was just actually on Felix's podcast, The State of Sales Enablement, and we had a fantastic conversation. Felix is the CEO at Fast Forward Revenue Performance, FFWD for short, and he is a sales enablement expert, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today on the podcast is sales enablement. One thing that we brought up in our last conversation, Felix, is random acts of sales enablement. Like when a company is just randomly doing sales enablement, what does that even mean? What does random acts of sales enablement look like in the real world? Oh, what does it look like? I think, unfortunately, random acts of enablement is still something that you see more often than strategic sales enablement. When you think about random acts of enablement, the way that would typically look like is you have the sales team. And everybody understands that sales equals money. And you've <laughs> yeah. got all the other departments in the organization that somehow touch on the sales team. So you've got HR supporting the hiring process. You've got IT sourcing or implementing sales systems for the sales team. You've got marketing producing content and so on. But each of these departments typically have their own agenda and their own strategic goals. So that means if they have a little bit of spare time in their day, in their busy day, <laughs> what they would then do is contribute something to the sales department. But mm. what then typically happens is if those kind of acts of support are not aligned with the strategy, you end up with these, as we call them, random acts of enablement. And <laughs> it oftentimes makes the departments providing them feel all warm and fuzzy. Um, <laughs> they go home and think, okay, today we really enabled sales. We contributed to the bottom line of the company because we supported sales. But what that does to the sales team is they get a little bit of support here and there, but there's no real alignment with the go-to-market strategy. And that's obviously a problematic because you essentially end up with point solutions to point problems, whatever is the most pressing issue right here and then. And especially if sales leadership is not thinking strategically and is just running around trying to fix the most urgent problem and requesting support for fixing the most urgent problem right then and there, you end up with those misaligned acts of enablement that really end up being random and ultimately don't contribute to the broader go-to-market vision of yep. the business. I see that happen all the time. And it's always, like you said, it's something urgent. We've got to have yep. this PDF. We've got to update the system. This integration's not working. We don't have enough leads. Where's marketing? It's always that urgent need. But is it actually an aligned strategy where these teams are thinking in lockstep and it's coming from the executive level and everybody's on the same page and there's this go-to-market strategy is just seamlessly going from department to department? That's pretty rare. That's when you get these random acts that, do they even move the needle? I feel like these are so reactive that do they mm. even have that much of an impact? What do you think? I think they can have an impact in fixing that specific issue, yeah. but I think there's a translation issue happening there, which is why the supporting acts aren't really designed in a strategic way. I think for a lot of non-sales people, sales is still this black magic. You throw a talented individual at somebody who looks halfway like a customer, and then on the other side, you've got money coming out. Right? <laughs> but yeah. that's specifically what non-sales people see happening. But I think there's a lack of understanding of sales as a structured process and as mm. a process of communicating the way you can solve a customer's problem to the market, being an advisor to that market. And I think a lot of time there's a lack of understanding across the business on what is needed to actually do this communication job and to really engage the market in that way. And what I see organizations that do sales enablement well really nail is handling that communication and that alignment across the business. Yeah. Everybody knows what the go-to-market strategy is. Everybody knows what is involved in transforming 
a person that has a problem into a customer that becomes an advocate eventually. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows what those moving parts are and what their role in that process is. And as soon as you create that understanding, suddenly you create that alignment that is really needed to create ongoing support and to have that alignment and that buy-in on a leadership level mm -hmm. that is really needed for sales to be truly enabled and to be set up for success. Yeah, I totally agree. One thing that's interesting there is a lot of the companies I work with, they don't actually have a sales enablement or maybe even operations, sales operations or anything like that in their job title. This is a hodgepodge team effort between a sales manager and maybe the VP or an executive or the head of marketing's over here. You got to come all these people doing sales enablement, but nobody really owns it. Do you think it's important for companies to actually have a dedicated person that owns sales enablement? Or can you do it with this hodgepodge of people all contributing to sales enablement type initiatives and goals, but no one really owning it? I think there's three stages of the evolution within sales enablement within an organization. And those are also typically the levels of impact sales enablement can create for a business from my point of view. And the lowest maturity level is if you essentially have a part-time sales enablement person, which is most of the time the sales leader, right? Yeah. Uh, sales leaders are extremely stretched. They have so much on their plates, especially if they are really hands-on in getting involved in deals and yeah. coaching sales reps and managing senior executive leadership. And depending on the size of the organization, that admin overhead eats a lot of their time. Mm. But yeah. I think that's a better way to start than uh, not doing it at all. <laughs> You need to start somewhere. And is that typically a frontline sales manager? Is that typically who you mean, Felix? Is this more like the head of sales, the VP of sales? Typically in that scenario, what you would see is the VP of sales being the sponsor of the sales enablement approach, so to speak, mm -hmm. and the sales managers being brought on a journey and actually owning certain initiatives along yep. the way. In organizations that are really stretched for resources, what you then see is even the sales reps being involved and <laughs> being owners of certain parts. Especially team leads, senior sales reps, they might, hey, we're going to have you hop in on this initiative. Yeah, exactly. So a senior sales rep might drive certain initiatives, for example, doing the rounds and gathering market intelligence through the other reps, communicating with the other reps, or setting up a repository, whatever that might be. I think that approach, again, makes more sense than doing nothing at all. <laughs> but the problem is that it pulls everybody away from what they do best, which is selling, helping customers and generating revenue for the business. Right. It's a strategic investment in time, but at the end of the day, especially with short organizations, organizations that can have a real impact on the bottom line if you spend too much time right. on sales enablement initiatives. And especially if cash flow is an issue that might cause problems yeah. for the organizations. Makes sense. So that's the first stage. Stage one is like part-time sales enablement. What is the second stage, Felix? The second stage is typically where I get involved in my business, which is outsourcing sales enablement, which means that you engage external support because you have only so many hours in a day and you want to have specialist support that understands the things that are happening out there in markets that really move the needle from a sales enablement perspective. And you engage that external support to do the things that you can't do within your day. And that involves typically things like developing your sales enablement strategy, creating initial alignment across the business to make sure that everybody understands what you're trying to do and everybody 
is taking on a sales enablement journey. And that's the first part of an engagement with an external vendor typically. And then you would typically involve that vendor in the implementation in some shape or form. With the lowest touch engagement on that front would be the vendor just coaching you through the implementation with your existing resources. Mm -hmm. And then the other end of the spectrum would be the vendor sourcing and providing services that actually help you implement that strategy and initiatives, whether that's the sourcing of sales, SaaS platforms mm -hmm. that you utilize to solve certain issues within your sales process. That's things like developing content being used in remote sales for your sales teams. That's things like formalizing the coaching approach across your organization and yep. really creating the structures necessary to effectively implement a coaching program, you right. know, those kind of things. So it's almost like there's a low touch version of the outsourced mm. model, and then there's a high touch where you're very exactly. much more involved. It seems like the high touch is almost bleeding into that outsourced sales enablement resource almost being just a fractional head of sales enablement for a certain period of time. Is that right? Yeah, to a certain degree. Okay. I think the biggest disadvantage or the biggest weakness of an outsourced model, and I'm completely honest about that when I speak to my clients and prospects always, is that you are by design not part of the organization, which means that <laughs> exactly. you don't have the inside view on what's happening in the organization on a day-to-day -day basis. And you're really reliant on information to be supplied to you. We have a lot of structures in place to reduce that friction in that communication as much as possible. But at the end of the day, we will never be a department within an organization. Yeah. That's why I still advocate for any organization sooner or later hiring a full-time yep. sales enablement resource. And a lot of times with the clients that we engage with, of course, we want to keep any client forever, but where we also support the client is in actually managing the transition from yeah. that lowest maturity stage to us working with them, to them then ultimately hiring a yep. senior sales enablement resource, which is able to drive that strategy effectively and maintain that alignment across the business. That makes a lot of sense. What does the timeline typically look like for an engagement like that, if you are going to outsource sales enablement, how long mm -hmm. of a process is that typically? Are we talking about weeks or months or is this years, multi-year long process? It really depends on the vendor you engage. Different vendors have different approaches. One of the things that we focus on is the name of my business says Fast Forward. We are really focused on streamlining that whole strategy development process. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of organizations fall into that trap of analysis paralysis mm -hmm. because they spend so much time analyzing all the moving parts, especially because there's so many components to sales enablement and so many departments contributing to actually making sales enablement happening. They spend a lot of time in actually doing that analysis. And I've seen vendors scoping for that kind of strategy development six months, which is way wow. too long from my point of view. <laughs> I think unless you're dealing with major corporations yeah. that are very established and that interact with markets that aren't changing very frequently. I think this is way too long. Yeah. We have a streamlined process for the strategy development that takes about four weeks. Okay. It's a very full-on and involved program on that front. Everybody who buys into sales enablement really needs to contribute yeah. to that process. And that includes things like participating in interviews, completing surveys, granting access to clients for interviews and so on. So yeah. we can paint a picture that's as close as to reality as possible. And then 
ultimately participating in a workshop that then actually brings everything to life, you know, identifies all the insights contained in the analysis, and then actually mapping out all the initiatives yeah. moving forward. So it can be streamlined if you specialize and if you know what you're doing. I think an internal senior sales enablement person would be able to do that as well. Yeah. But I think analysis paralysis is real, and I see a lot of organizations <laughs> struggle with sales enablement because of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if we've got this three stages, first was that part-time enablement, the sales leader or senior sales rep doing it part-time, that internal employee. Second is outsourcing sales enablement, which it sounds like there's more low touch, high touch. And so what that outsourcing, what does that third stage of enablement look like? Do you think? That is hiring that full-time senior sales enablement resource. And now sales enablement being quite a new discipline, at least if you look at things actually being called sales enablement, I think conceptually sales enablement has been around for a long time. If you think about the design of training programs, coaching, all the things being done to set sales teams up for success, that is not new, but the body of knowledge around sales enablement, what works, what the common components are and how to approach sales enablement, that is relatively new. But at this stage, you've already find people that have been doing it for quite some time. And I would always advocate to create that alignment on a senior executive level and on a senior leadership level for any first sales enablement resource to be hired to be as senior as possible. Yeah. I think you find those senior resources now. They are in high demand, especially mm -hmm. considering the amount of sales enablement roles being advertised these days. You only have to do a search on LinkedIn around the term. And I see that in the States, but even more so in the APEC region where sales enablement is not such a common mm. concept. Uh, you see those kind of roles advertised skyrocketing yeah. on LinkedIn. And there's such a high demand that not a lot of companies are able to secure those senior resources, which is at the end of the day, also why my business exists and why we still yeah. add value to the marketplace. That makes a lot of sense. You brought up a good point there, Felix. What does sales enablement mean to you? The term, mm -hmm. there's a lot of different definitions. It can mean a lot of different oh. things, a lot of different companies. For someone like you, who's deep into the sales enablement game, working with a lot of clients, educating them on what it is, what it isn't, what does it mean to you? You're absolutely right. There's probably as many definitions of sales enablement out there as there are people using the term. But what it certainly means for me is strategically aligning all the components that are necessary for sales to succeed. And those components that we typically look at is the buyer acumen, or it's essentially the understanding of what really matters to the buyer and the sort of problem that you solve to the buyer in the context of their business. It's the sales process that you develop, a sales process that is very closely aligned to the buyer journey. I still see a lot of uh, companies out there that are claiming that they are customer centric, but they never go through that exercise of actually mapping out the buyer journey, which is absolutely bizarre to me. So I think <laughs> that is absolutely crucial. The buyer journey has to be core to anything that's being done around sales enablement. Yep. The next component is the tech stack that you use to enable your sales teams, meaning once you've defined your sales process, the tech stack that then creates efficiencies for your buyers in making buying decisions and your sales team operationally in helping as many buyers as possible. Then the content side of things is another pillar. So essentially, especially if you consider remote sales these days due to COVID-19, COVID-19 has accelerated remote sales by so much. And a lot of sales teams came to realize that the 17% that 
buyers typically spend in face-to-face meetings with sales reps before the pandemic has reduced even further. Mm. So the question is then, how do you effectively continue the line of communication with the buyer and how do you keep on adding value beyond that sales meeting? Content is the answer in most cases. And then lastly, something that you are really deeply involved in, which is the training and coaching yeah. side of things that is then really crucial in gaining traction and continuously improving sales effectiveness uh, with yeah. all the components that you've put in place. So the those typically the pillars that we're looking at. There are other models out there. I wouldn't say any model is right or wrong. I think any model that simplifies things too much and only focuses on one particular area is probably something that you want to be wary of. Well, you hear that a lot with training and coaching. You hear sales enablement. Oh, that's just training and coaching. We train our reps, we coach our reps. So we got enablement handled. When to think holistically about enablement, Mm. there's a lot more that goes into it. It's more than just that training and coaching. Absolutely. I think you have to look at the areas that really set salespeople up for success holistically, you know, and skills are a big part of it, but so are all the other things that a lot of sales organizations still don't get right. Right. And that are still being left up to the sales reps to work out. And I think sales enablement can solve those problems and actually set those sales teams up for success on that front. And as you said, there's a lot of simplified models out there. Funny enough, those simplified models always really closely align with the products or services on offer. And I think... There are very complex models out there. I think the most holistic and most accurate reflection of all the possible components that can contribute to sales success is probably the building blocks of sales enablement by Mike Kunkel. I think those make sense if you don't, again, spend too much time on actually analyzing each of those components to death. So yeah. anybody who wants to make it more holistic and more complex, I would encourage to looking at those models. Right. But the pillars that I outlined earlier, those are the essentials that I see in market making the biggest difference to the client organizations that I'm dealing with. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Felix, one follow-up question I have is, as you think about whether one of these stages might be necessary for a sales organization, whether it's that part-time internal, outsourcing, full-time in-house employee doing sales enablement, what are the questions that companies are typically asking themselves when one of those stages starts to make sense? What are the problems that they're going through? What are the questions they're asking themselves where it's like, eh, we're struggling in these areas that typically, hey, it might be time to start thinking about one of those stages of sales enablement. Yeah, absolutely love that question. I think that's something that I think about a lot talking to clients and yeah. something that I try to address as much as possible also with the content that I put out there. Yeah. I think initially the question that you would typically come across when it comes to sales enablement is why are we missing our targets? Yep. So that's, I think the sales enablement and introducing the sales enablement approach to an organization hardly ever comes from a place of a strategic thinking initially. Yep. It comes out of a place of fighting fires. We're not hitting quota. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> are there other questions though? Because that's obviously the obvious one. In addition to we're missing our targets or we're not hitting quota, yep. what other symptoms might a company be having? Yeah, a certain approach to, for example, prospecting not working anymore, the tech stack being abandoned and sitting in the corner. (laughs) Why do we spend a hundred grand a year on Salesforce if nobody (laughs) uses it? Why are our sales reps spending 20% of their time customizing sales presentations? And why do we have 1,000 of them on our shared drive? (laughs) Those kind of questions. Right. In terms of training and coaching, a question that would typically be asked is, is that one training course that we run once a year really enough 
to move the yeah. needle for sales reps consistently. If we hire somebody one week after that training course, they have to wait one year until they get that training course again. Mm. Is that really enough for us? And so on. So I think all those benefits that you would typically see from a sales enablement yeah. program across those key pillars that I spoke about earlier, I think if you invert those, those are typically the problems <laughs> and the questions that organizations ask themselves. And when they realize that there's a more structured approach right. needed. And when we talk about a random acts of enablement, at some stage, any sales leader being in their role for a certain amount of time will be looking at all those things being done by other departments to enable the sales team and yep. really ask themselves a question of, has this really made a difference for us strategically? Has this really contributed to us longer term, increasing our win rates, uh, reducing our sales cycles, hitting our quota and so on. So yep. I think those are all, I would say, almost existential questions that sales <laughs> leaders ask themselves yeah. when they start thinking about sales enablement. Where do I come from? Where do I go? Yeah, exactly. If you're out there thinking of any of these things right now, it might be time to start thinking about sales enablement, which is a yeah, good yeah. segue. Felix, great conversation. If my listeners want to find out more about you online, how can they do so? I'm very active on LinkedIn. Look me up. It's Felix Kruger, K-R-U-E-G-E-R. You can also find me on our website, the website of my business. It's gofastforward.com, written G-O-F-F-W-D.com. Okay. And I also run, as you said earlier, a podcast, The State of Sales Enablement, where I interview sales and sales enablement leaders around the topic of sales enablement. We've got lots of conversations with leading experts like Tyler. If you're keen to learn more about sales enablement, please consider listening to The State of Sales Enablement. Definitely. And we did an episode just to remind everybody, if you want to listen more to me and Felix jamming it out on sales enablement, we did an episode on the State of Sales Enablement podcast just recently. So definitely go and look up that episode. We'll link to all of those links in the show notes. Felix, thanks so much for coming on. Had a blast. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at saleslift.com. That's the T-H-E sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action. And the results will follow. See you next time.